Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. We've been in a little, uh, how many enjoyed last week's service? I mean, we had just a good time. And, I, you know, one of the things I think that's so interesting about the, the times we live in is we are desperate for some good news and some good stories and some testimonies of what God is doing, and he still does. He still does it. He's still a good God. He still sits on the throne. He's still uh, rocking it for us, right? He's still doing it for us, and I, I love the fact that we serve a God who, had, who doesn't leave us or forsake us ever. He's always right there, and he always fulfills his promises as we uh, fulfill those uh, those uh, uh, conditions to those promises. And so most of you know that, that I enjoy owning uh, firearms and shooting firearms. Um, I'm probably not what you'd call a gun enthusiast or a collector by any means at all, but I do have a permit to carry and I believe in exercising my Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. Hallelujah. And I, I, I definitely enjoy hunting and, and even shooting at the range when I get the chance to do these things. Um, but there is a lot of personal responsibility in owning, carrying, and maintaining a firearm. And if you own a gun, but you haven't shot it in a month or so, you should not be carrying it around. Just the way it is. It's a responsibility. You need to be good at shooting it if you're going to carry it around. And uh, if you don't have a safe place to store it, like a gun safe or a lockbox, you shouldn't own it. If you haven't cleaned it or don't know how to clean it, you shouldn't own it. If you haven't sighted it in or have never recalibrated the sights, you don't have any business firing it at anything because you don't know what you're going to hit. And these are just some of the personal responsibilities that come with owning a gun. And the gun I usually carry is a little uh, 380 Smith & Wesson bodyguard. It's got a laser sight on it that has to be adjusted or recalibrated from time to time. And just because the laser dot securely positioned on, is positioned on a target, that doesn't mean that the bullet will hit where that laser is, is on, what the laser's on. It has to be sighted in. It has to be calibrated and recalibrated to do so. And this collaboration uh, is not, or calibration is not a one and done thing. I want you to understand that. It has to be checked and recalibrated from time to time for maximum accuracy. It's important. Yes, you, you do have a pistol packing pastor, but I also take the personal responsibility in owning firearms extremely seriously. And when it comes to our faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that a personal relationship with him provides to us, it's really no different. There is often a need for us to recalibrate as we experience and react to situations and circumstances or when we just make bad decisions in life. Has anyone ever made a bad decision? Like two of you, way to go. We've got a perfect congregation here, right? I've made some bad decisions in my life. I probably make them on a weekly basis. Who's with me? All right, we make bad decisions all the time. These recalibrations, they get us back on track. 
Last week, we talked about the fact that God still does it. He still sits on the throne. He still performs miracles. His hand is still at work on a daily basis in our lives, and he is a good, good father who loves us with an everlasting love. And his word says in, in, in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? How awesome is that? Remembering this about our great heavenly father not only can recalibrate you and your faith, but walking in this knowledge can keep you from needing constant recalibration. We talked about the scripture in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, of good repute, there, if, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And to dwell on those things that are praiseworthy, pushing out the negativity, will keep you focused on the goodness of God. The world is full of negativity. We talked about this last week. So we must become experts at recognizing the hand of God at work and verbally expressing his actions to everyone around us. God's working in your life. God's working in your life. When's the last time something good happened to you? Mm, I don't know. It's... Uh, this morning you got out of bed I mean let's praise God for everything and that's what we're talking about and I love Revelations 12 11. it says and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death they got so busy talking about God and, and he's talking about futuristic things but the people of God were so are so full of, 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 of love for him that they can't shut up about how great God is and they loved their life they did not love their life even when faced with death because they were just so busy talking about the, the greatness of God Somebody said, I, I you talk too fast when you preach, so I'm going to slow down. <laughs> My brain never works that fast, so it must be the anointing that makes me talk fast. <laughs> our testimonies, the big and little moments in our lives, when we know that God has intervened on our behalf or has just been so good to us, when, when these are, are spoken out, the word of our testimony, when they're spoken out, they are a big part of our victory over the enemy of our soul. And you know, it's interesting. When God gives you a victory, you need to keep talking about it over and over and over because you know what that does? It keeps that old devil under your foot. It just keeps you in the victory, which is so important. Last week, many of you got a hold of these truths, and I've heard so many good things since Sunday. It's, it's been a week of testimony after testimony, which is awesome. Little and big testimonies of God doing amazing things. People recognizing that God's hand, it's God's hand, and, and not just good luck that, that has provided and protected and even delivered us. And uh, Pastor Bryce, I'm gonna have you do something for me if you would. Would you run in my office and on the backside of my desk, there are three bags that I want you to grab for me real quick. And this is part of what God did even last week and what God is continuing to do around here. We talked about pushing the negative out of our lives, right? The news media, the social media, as well as the music, television, the movies we watch. Well, God moved on one of our brothers last week and he felt convicted and saw the need, the need to change. He made a decision and went home and started cleaning his house out. He got rid of the crap that he owned. That's a pulpit word, okay? 
I'm telling you. Because when you have that stuff in your house, there's no other, well, there are other words for it, but the nicest one I can think of is crap. Okay? He got rid of the crap in his house. The garbage that was constantly pulling him off the path and creating a need for him to always need recalibration. Most of what's in these bags, and I'm telling you, this is, the re this is real stuff. This is garbage. This is garbage out of somebody's home. It's media stuff. Most of it is horrific horror movies that someone's been living with and they just couldn't let go of it. Church, it's time we clean the crap and the negativity out of our lives. And this is a praise the Lord this morning because somebody did it. They didn't just talk about it. They actually did it. I love it. He said, come over and get it because I don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. And so I have it. We're going to have a wood chipping party one of these days. DVDs and whatnot, everything that's going to go through there, we're going to, we're going to burn it, we're going to get rid of it. Who's got, a, who's got a big fireplace in the country, a big fire pit in the country? We can, we can just burn all those demons right up, right? All that demonic crap up. That's a praise the Lord. That represents a life changed. See, he heard it when I said our need to be recalibrated is created by our willingness to let the negative occupy our mind. So we talked about last week. And he acted, and now we get to destroy three bags of garbage. That's a great testimony. So understand that pushing the negative out, replacing it with good, wholesome, honorable, praiseworthy things, it's one of the keys. Testifying and speaking constantly about the greatness of God and all that he is doing is another key. And this morning, I want to bring up another aspect to this because most of us have stood firm, we've believed, we've pushed out the negative and been very willing to give God praise whenever he works in our life. Most of us have done that. But many of us have also experienced those moments where it seemed that God wasn't hearing us or wasn't answering us. We did everything that we knew to do, but the answer didn't come, or at least it wasn't the answer we wanted. And then the questions raced through our mind, is God's word true? Did I do something wrong? Did I not have enough faith? And these are tough questions to answer, and most of the time they're not even worth asking, to be real honest. Because God's word is absolutely true, no matter what. And it's possible to have done something that can hold back a breakthrough or a miracle in your life. It's possible, but that's not always the reason. And I, I, I suppose that you could have a lack of faith that keeps God's hand from moving in your life, but remember that you only need a mustard seed's worth to move a mountain. So a lot of times the church, and they're asking these questions, they just start beating themselves up. There must be something wrong with me. God's word must not be true. I must have sinned. I must not have enough faith. And they just pile it on themselves. Those things could be true. I mean, not the God's word thing, because his word's always true. But most of the time, that's not the case. Yeah, check your heart. Make sure all your motives are right when you're standing firm for, for, for a miracle or for God's hand to move in your life. Stand firm in that. Don't beat yourself up for having a lack of faith. Just do everything you can to build your faith. And honestly, sometimes when the answer is just not coming and it doesn't seem like it's there or it's not the answer you wanted, sometimes you just have to realize that you can't answer what you can't answer. I remember thinking about my dad, 
who got a brain tumor, and I found out on Sunday morning he had surgery to move it on Tuesday, the same week, and 14 weeks later, he was in heaven. And we prayed like crazy that he would be healed, and he stood and he had faith that he would be healed, but he wasn't healed. And I remember it was about the time that I met Gail Morris, and, and uh, he, uh, he, he said a phrase to me that I'll never forget. He goes, well, you know, you... you, you I mean, I'd heard from other people, you can't answer what you can't answer. You don't know why. And he, he said this. He goes, he, he, I think he got a better offer. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And I want you to understand something. Because he didn't receive his healing here did not rock my faith one bit in reference to divine healing. And that's why. Because we understand that the, the, the answer is up to him. They're tough questions. We got to do what we got to do, but sometimes you can't answer what you can't answer. Sometimes you must walk in the faith that God is absolutely for you and not against you. Oh, I, 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 can't, I can't even begin to tell you how many people, when they're going through something, have said these words to me. Why is God picking on me? Why is God not with me right now? And the answer is, he's not picking on you and he is with you, you just got to change your vision a little bit and see things differently. And believe that no matter what the results are, that Romans 8.28 holds true. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do we really believe that? He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. To know that he can see the past, the present, and the future all at once is to begin to understand that his vantage point is so much better than ours, church. He says no today, right? When he says no today, it could be saving you from something tomorrow. You don't know. You just don't know. There is, this, this is where our faith has to run hand in hand with our trust. We trust the Lord. We have to have faith that he can do it and that he will do it, but we must also trust him enough to let the decision be his and understand a no today doesn't mean that there is not a yes right around the corner. All good things come in his time. In fact, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And that's, I think, in reference to everything. We don't know all the, the dates and times. He sees the past, present, and future all together, all at once, all of future history, past history, all of the present. Can you imagine what he knows? All-knowing. It boggles the mind. It, it, pow, a little explosion went off in my head. Blew my mind, right? It blows our mind. I have, I, I have a great testimony to share with you about God's timing this morning. Because God's timing, it's perfect. We decided to start seeing a fertility doctor in January of 2018 after our physician had said maybe we should go check that out and just see if all of our testings was coming, tests were coming back normal. We um, had been suggested to possibly start looking at using fertility drugs um, to help Chelsea ovulate, um, basically just help increase the odds of getting pregnant each month. So we did that uh, one time, and I, I remember the first time she took that, it really 
uh, took a toll on her emotionally and mentally. Just the, the hormones going through her body. It was really tough to watch because she's normally a very upbeat and vibrant person. And I remember the first time she took it, she was highly depressed out of nowhere. And it was really concerning. I, I was really concerned just that her, her mood and her attitude had changed that much from, from taking a pill. Um, and um, after that, we looked into IUI, or artificial insemination, and in June we tried that for the first time and we were very optimistic about it and I think both of our hopes were very high at that time. That first round of artificial insemination failed, was not successful, and Corbin and I had always said right when we started it we were going to go June, July, August, we were going to try, especially since I'm a teacher, we were trying to time it, which yeah. <laughs> it isn't in our timing, but we wanted to try and since we were doing, you know, some fertility, we thought, for some fertility treatments, we thought, why not try and plan it, too? The first round failed, and that was pretty hard. You don't think about it as being more emotionally and physically draining than when you're just normally trying, but your hopes are just so high since the chances are doubled that when it doesn't work, it's even more frustrating, even more of a letdown. But we had discussed that we were going to do it again in July. We wanted to try it again, and we went on a vacation right after we had it and got home and I am someone that knows my body really well. So I had told Corbin I was on my way to work one day and I told him um, I, it, it didn't work. This cycle has failed again. Um, I could just tell I was gonna start my cycle in the next few days. And I told him I can't do this again in August. I am at my mental and physical break. It's not that I'm breaking and I'm slowly breaking down anymore. I, I am broken. I am at my end. And if I have to have another no, I don't know if I can take it. And Corbin said, okay. He didn't try and fight me on it. He knew I was hurting immensely. So he didn't push me on it. And that was on my way to work. And I remember just crying to God in the car and screaming at him. Like, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Why, why can't I have a kid? Why is everyone around me having a kid? Family, mm -hmm. friends, church friends, everybody, and not me. And why, are you not, why are you, aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you giving me any answers? Why aren't you doing anything? And I remember telling him that I, I couldn't do it anymore, that I was, I was done. I felt like I had no reason to live. I couldn't take any more no's. So I just, I needed something from him. It was three days before my cycle would start and I took a test and it said no. So I threw it away and then I waited. And Corbin came in for this one. The first one he didn't because we both knew the answer was no and he didn't know I was doing it probably. But I don't like when he comes in there because I don't like to have to tell him no again and again and again because it's already hard enough for me to take it. I feel even worse having to tell him no again. And so he came in for that one and I took it and we had to wait five minutes and we kind of looked at it and I said, is there a second line there? The line got a little darker and I was like, okay, there's definitely two lines. So let's, uh, let's call our fertility doctor uh, the office and go in and get some blood testing. And we went in and got testing, and 
I just remember being nervous as hell, <laughs> um, you know, because then they, they do the testing and like, well, we'll give you a call in three or four hours. So I just remember sitting at home working. I couldn't even hardly think about work, you know, just what, what's the answer going to be? And I remember the nurse called and she was really monotone. It sounded like she was depressed and she was like, hey guys, have your results here. And we're, Chelsea just looks at me like, I told you so. <laughs> she goes, you're definitely pregnant. And I'm like... <laughs> are you serious? Like, this is the emotion you have to tell us, but I just, you know, hugged Chelsea and... We've had an ultrasound since then, and we are, right now, when you're seeing this video, will be about nine and a half weeks long, along. So, it's been a healthy pregnancy so far, but it was a long time coming, and it was a, a big test to us to have faith even when you can't see it, and you're getting what you think is a no. And that was really hard for me, and I've learned to, I kind of had to swallow my pride and realize that I was wrong, because at times I did doubt God. I didn't think that he was going to give me a child. I thought that that wasn't his plan for me, and I just gave up that faith in him. I just lost all of it completely, and I had to swallow that and realize that I was wrong, and that God is bigger than me. He's bigger than what I think. Is bigger than what my thoughts are. Prayer and, and faithfulness in God will never fail and, and God will never fail us and He will always come through in one way or the other. It may not be the exact time that we think we want, but it's His timing and that's perfect. And having peace with that is a great feeling and, and God is just, God is good. Yeah, that's a great applause, but I think you can do better than that. Why don't you give Lord a shout, because that's awesome. Hallelujah. I, I remember at our life group praying for Chelsea and Corbin, and we all laid hands on her, and we prayed, and we, we believed, and we stood firm, right? And it was a bunch of young adults around, and young couples, and you know what happened? Everybody got pregnant in that circle except Chelsea. <laughs> I'm telling you, I felt bad. I was like, man, there was, there was an anointing for, uh, for uh, fertility going around in that circle for sure, because there's all sorts of babies coming out of that, that uh, group of people. And then where's Chelsea? And I remembered her keeping her composure, at least publicly, she alluded that she was a little upset privately, maybe with God in those moments. But she always praised along with those that were pregnant, even when she wasn't. And I tell you what, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome to not grow bitter and to grow angry, but just to keep holding on, even if by a thread, that God's timing is perfect and he'll see us through. And I want you to understand that God's timing, it, it really does two things for us. His perfect timing does two things for us. Number one, it grows our faith as we are forced to wait and trust in God. It grows our faith. And number two, it makes sure that God and God alone get all, gets all the glory and praise for the breakthrough. Amen. He gets it. Understanding that God's timing is perfect, it's a key to recalibrating and staying the course in that 
knowledge of his perfect timing keeps you from having to recalibrate. And we've talked thus far, and I haven't been very good at giving you points in this whole series, but I'm going to give them to you right now. We've talked about keys for recalibration. When your faith gets tired, and we've all experienced that. Number one, you got to push out the negative and fill yourself with the good, the honorable, and the lovely, praiseworthy things, right? Dwell on those things. Number two, we talked about testifying the, uh, the, about the greatness of God, the goodness of God at work in our lives and never shutting up about it. I like what the apostles said. I haven't even talked about this in, in, in the previous, but they said we cannot help but speak the great things. To get to a place where we can't help but speak. Have you ever been around anybody who said, man, all you ever talk about is God? Mm-hmm. What else is there worth talking about? And number three, understanding God's perfect timing. He's a good father that knows exactly those things that we need and when we need them. Trust that his timing is perfect. And these are all keys to recalibrate. And, 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 and when you get weary from standing in faith for your, for your breakthrough, these are the keys that will recalibrate you. These will help you get back on the right track. Not, not that you've left God, but for those of you who understand that sometimes our faith really does get tired. And these keys will not only recalibrate you as you live them out, they will keep you from the need of recalibration as you continue to walk in them. But there's one more thing I want to bring out as far as recalibrating. And it's probably the most difficult out of these four things for us to do. It's deciding that you will praise him in the midst of any storm you find yourself in. Psalm 42.5. I love this. The psalmist talks to himself. And he says, why, my soul? You ever had a mere talk? Where you looked in the mirror and you had a good talk with yourself? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. You know what he's doing there? He's letting his spirit man come out and overtake his soulical being. Because his soulical being, his soul, the mind, will, and emotions are in a place where they're just downcast. They're sad. God isn't doing it for me. And his spirit man rises up within him and says, I'm putting my hope in God no matter how I feel right now. Because I'm not going to base it off of feelings and emotions or what I think between my ears. You know, most of our problem is between our ears. How many know that that's true? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. To decide that no matter what you are going through, no matter how much pain or suffering or emotional hurt that you may be feeling, that you will still praise him? It's key to recalibration. Even not knowing what the answer or outcome will be in your situation, deciding to praise him is key. You know, we put all these conditions on God. If you'll do this, I will do this. How many times in, in prison is there, is, we call it a, a prison house religion, right? God, if you get me out of trouble, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you. It don't work that way, folks. We don't barter with God. 
He deserves praise no matter what he does because he's already done everything he could ever do for you anyway by sending his only son to die for you and shed his blood for you. He's provided everything you need. It's not easy. This is a difficult thing that I'm asking you to do. I understand that. But you must shed the idea that God is your genie in the bottle and that somehow he must perform for you the way you want him to in order for you to praise him. He's worthy of your absolute highest praise no matter what happens with the storm you are in, period. He's worthy of your praise. No matter the medical diagnosis, no matter the results or lack of results, no matter if the circumstances surrounding you even get worse, you must praise him. That's our job, folks. It's key to keeping recalibrated or not needing to be recalibrated. I got a great testimony for you this morning, another one. You like these testimonies? Isn't this good stuff? This will build your faith. But uh, I I want you to hear uh, Scott and Lisa Ely's story. Last year, just out of the blue, all of a sudden in June, um, I just started feeling sick, started actually not being able to keep food down or I would, I would throw up often and I was starting to lose a lot of weight. And um, never really thought much about it until I almost passed out at work. So the, the story and the journey began when we went to the emergency room after that incident, and I was told um, that all kinds of issues were going on. But I was immediately told that, they, that, that I was diabetic and that I was having heart issues. all culminated in to finding out that I had cancer. Um, so we went from in June, the first of June, to being healthy and losing some weight, but he was kind of excited about it, to, you know, not keeping food down and this isn't normal, this isn't right, to July 1st, it was like you have stage three esophageal cancer and you have massive heart damage and heart disease. And our whole world kind of crumbled at that point. You know, what do you do? Um, so that's where the journey, you know, clinging on to God began. The thing that God told me when I sought him at the very beginning was that this would not be unto death. And so I was confident. I never doubted um, that I would not come out of this. But one thing God never told me, which was a surprise to me, was that he never told me I would not go through stuff, and I went through stuff. I went through a lot of stuff. And there were times when I was like, man, it would be so much better to just head on up to heaven. (laughs) But, you know, then there's my wife, and then there's my children. And I'm kind of like the type of person that doesn't like to uh, miss anything. I think the hardest thing for me through all of this was to see the the hurt on them. And so I did my best to demonstrate to them grace. Even when I was the one battling, there were times when I told her, man, you gotta gotta start praising God because I, I could just sense the enemy right there telling me, you're done, it's over. 
And I wasn't going to let him win. That entire time, you know, I would take him to the appointments in the morning and um, go through the day, bring him home, and then go to work at night. And on my way home, um, a lot of times, you know, the worship music would be on and, and I would begin to cry and I'd have to pull over. And it was just kind of like the time of day where it just kind of all kind of hit you. You know, it's like you're alone, you're in a car. And that crying turned into really quick. I learned that if I just, if I, I did not want to get to the place where it was, I was shaking an angry fist at God. You know, why me? Why us? Why this? You know, we're believers. But I wanted to, to just worship him and say, I know you're here. No matter what, I know you're here and there's always victory in Christ, no matter what. I did not know what the outcome was gonna be, but I knew it was Christ. And no matter what, we had nothing to lose. Um, in the midst of all this struggle and battle, um, I don't remember the date, but early on, um, I was going to a chemo appointment and so I was getting ready. I was washing my hair and again, my spirit, my attitude is always God's greater. <laughs> and so I was never expecting hard times. <laughs> no matter, even though I was going through them, it just was always a surprise to me. And I was getting ready for chemo, I was washing my hair, and I pulled my hands down and my hands were full of hair. And it was a shock, because I wasn't prepared for that. Um, I called my wife in, I was like, look. And she was like, you know, kind of dumbfounded also, and you know, what do you say? And she's like, I'm sorry, and it'll be okay. And I walked into my bedroom, and I just sat down on my bed, and I just started to weep, because in the flesh, you know, these are things you don't want to have happen. Um, it was, it felt like defeat. It felt sorrowful. Um, but in that moment, as I was weeping, I just remembered what God told me at the beginning, and that was to praise Him. And He didn't say, praise me for the victory. He didn't praise me for the good times. He said, praise me. And that's what I want to encourage people with, is to know that God is good and that, and that definition of good goes beyond our understanding. It doesn't require good times, you know what I mean? It doesn't require you to be and have all your needs met um, for Him to be good. Is a beauty and, and a, a fullness that is available to us. Um, in fact, I, in, in my notes, one of the things I wrote down is don't always try to get out of trouble because the Bible says that he will be with you in trouble. And so you know what? Just seek him in the good and the bad, and he will work it all out. But long and, and, and search for the depth and the intimacy of God that is available to you, and it'll be there.
what the video maybe doesn't share fully is that Scott, before COVID happened, man, you, uh, you looked different than you do now. You're sitting up there right now. You look like you did in the video, but you were bald. You were skinny. You could barely walk, and you were coming in here praising the Lord. Uh, I know at one point a doctor said, there's nothing more we can do for you. You just need to go home, and, and you went out in the parking lot, I think, is the, is the story, and you, you told your wife, well, we need to fire that doctor and get another one who's going to give us some hope, and praise God for that. Amen. I, I also know that your heart condition should have probably killed you, according to all medical uh, reasoning, I guess. Couldn't do cancer surgery because of the heart condition, but then all of a sudden when they, wanted, when they finally figured, thought that they had the heart thing under control enough to do cancer surgery, they went in. Or they, they, you went into the doctor's office and they couldn't find any cancer in you anymore. So the cancer was completely gone. So hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yeah. God still does it. And you can spend your energies going, well, why didn't he do it for me back then or this or that? Or why is he doing it for me right now? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's still good. You still have to praise him. And you've got to keep yourself calibrated properly. And that may require a recalibration. And there's things you can do. There's things you can absolutely do. We've gone over them. I want to tell you them again so you don't forget them. Push the negative out. Push it out. Fill yourself with the goodness of God. The, full, the, 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 the things that are honorable, praiseworthy, all those things. Fill yourself with that. Never shut up. Number two, never shut up your, about your testimony on all the good things that you see. Every good little smidgen report, you dwell on that. You start telling everybody about it. You talk about it. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, right? Number three, live in that place where you understand that God's timing is perfect. Trust Him. Walk with Him in that. And then number four, praise Him no matter what. No matter what situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what you're going through, no matter... Anything that's going on, you praise him because he's worthy to be praised. We don't praise him because he gives us good stuff. We praise him because he's worthy, because of who he is. That's so key. And it doesn't matter if you keep seeing a, a decline in your situation. You need to praise him. Don't grow weary in your willingness to praise because then it's game over. God is good no matter what, and he will show himself faithful. Just keep praising him. These are all keys. Some of them are difficult, especially the praise one, I think. But a real key to any spiritual calibration that you need, as well as the key that will live, if you live it out, it'll keep you from, from, from needing constant recalibration. You see, guys, I, I think this. I think the church walks in a way a lot of times especially in America, the church walks in a way. It's because we have so much abundance and we have so much uh, blessing, even in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, is anybody really suffering all that much? I know there are people that are dying. I get that. I'm not making light of that whatsoever. But most of America is doing pretty good. Some, some of us have gotten sick. There's some in our church who are sick. But we're still blessed. We have hospitals to go to. There's places in the world that don't even have hospitals to go to. They have nothing. We're blessed. And I think the church 
is kind of like my little 380. I mean, the laser pointer, I can point it on something, but if, if it's off, the bullet ain't going to hit the target. And the church doesn't even realize sometimes its own situation, its own, its own where they're really at. They're off just a bit. They need recalibration. Your faith's gotten tired. And I'm telling you, these things will recalibrate you. In closing today, I, I just want to say this. God is absolutely awesome. No matter what you're going through. And you absolutely need to keep that before you and not fall into this pit of why me, why me, why me. Amen? Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.